come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Glory to his name. Glory to the name of Jesus. I have a, a healing testimony for you. This, this, you can be seated. I have a healing testimony from, from, from Sunday. So this is so if you're believing for healing in your body, if you're believing for Jesus, the healer, to do a supernatural work inside of you, if you believe that Jesus still does these things, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is as the spirit of prophecy. And when you hear this testimony, you could grab hold of it for the healing for your own life. Amen? I mean, I want you to agree. If you're believing for it, if you need healing in your body, after service on Sunday, uh, I asked Mandy Rhodes to come to me in the, in the sound booth. I was working back there on Sunday, and I believe I had a word for her. And I shared the word for her, and she began to cry. And, and then she goes, she goes, Andrew, my neck has been hurting for weeks, and I've had to take pain medicine every six to eight hours for weeks because of my neck. I don't know what I did to it, but it's really hurting. Would you pray for me? So I laid my hands upon her like we learned in the hunters. I put my hands upon her neck. We did the neck thing. We grew out her arms. We put our hands on her hips and we prayed for her hips. And we commanded the pain to go and for everything to line up and for all the discs to line up and for the nerves to be free. And, and we prayed this way. And then I said, okay, we're going to do therapeo. Check yourself. Move your neck. Move your shoulders. Check yourself. And she sat there and she said, all the pain is gone. She said, all the pain is gone. She said, I've been in pain for weeks. Monday morning, this is her text message to me. Praising Jesus, my great physician, my neck is completely healed. Thank you, Lord. I've not had to take pain medicine or anything since yesterday morning, and that's a big deal because I've been taking it for six to eight weeks. <laughs> Come on, Jesus heals. All right, now the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if you believe in for healing in your body, I just want you to receive it. I just, it's just that simple. You just reach out and take it. Jesus is the great physician. He does it for you. So all you have to do is say, thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. I receive this testimony, and I declare that you're my healer in Jesus' name. Amen. I say to you, church, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed, be made whole. And everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, it's done. I'm telling you, you got healed. I'm telling you, it's done. If I were you, I would stand up and check. <laughs> I'd stand up and say, man, that is me. I got it. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, tonight we're going to do a teaching on the name of Jesus. Amen. I think this is very important, very powerful for, for the church, a very powerful teaching, <clears throat> very important teaching for the body of Christ. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a big deal. You can jot down some of the scripture verses as we get to them. But the whole church has the legal right as a Christian today to use the legal right, or we call the power of attorney of the name of Jesus. Every Christian has this right. Every Christian has this right to use the name of Jesus, and the name of Jesus will produce the same miracles and signs and wonders that the name of Jesus accomplished for the early church and the early believers. This is powerful. We're going to do a, we're going to do a scripture study now. You're going to see it. The problem is Satan has blinded the eyes of truth. We have a church teaching that is very, very unscriptural. Entire denominations and seminaries across the nation are teaching that the first apostles had this right to the name of Jesus. This power, this healing, this prophecy, the speaking in tongues to get the church established or to get the church started and the foundation of the church set. And then when the last apostle died, all that power to do these things died with them. I'm telling you, this is, a very, this is a very dangerous teaching. This is a very detrimental teaching. This teaching has sidelined the body of Christ long enough, and I'm coming against it tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen? 
I'm coming against it in the name of Jesus. There's a seeker-friendly church out there. They're called seeker-friendly for a reason. Because they only do those things that are on the positive side of the gospel. They refuse to talk about any of the things that I'm about to share with you tonight. They refuse to believe in the work, wonder-working power of the name of Jesus. They're denying the ministry of the Holy Ghost in these churches. They deny his ministry and they say his ministry is not for us today. It's not part of the ministry that we're supposed to be involved in today. It's very dangerous when you go to a church that has a bunch of, Danny, I call them unbelieving believers. <laughs> They're unbelieving believers. Jesus encountered this same problem in his day. Jesus encountered unbelieving believers. Jesus had a doubting Thomas, an unbelieving believer. Walked with Jesus all those years, saw all those miracles, and the day Jesus showed up in the upper room, they said, he was here. And Thomas said, hey, no way. <laughs> if a doubting Thomas could happen then, then a doubting Thomas could happen today. I'm telling you, unbelief is refusing to believe in God and his word. That's what unbelief is. You refuse to believe God and you refuse to believe his word. Unbelief hinders you from receiving the promises of God. It's a hindrance. You may believe in God, but if you're filled with unbelief regarding the promises in his word, you will miss many great spiritual blessings. Because you take the word of God and you eat it like a smorgasbord. You walk through the buffet line and you say, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. And I'll take a scoop of this and a scoop of that. And that's not the way you take the Bible. Yeah, I say this all the time. You got to take it all. You got to take the good of the Bible. And not that there's a bad in the Bible, but there's some hard things in there, is there not? And sometimes you got to take your lumps, I call it. Sometimes you read those things and you're reading about you in those pages and you think, oh my goodness, I better get this out of my life. I better change this. I call it taking my lumps with it. I've got to read it and obey it. Sometimes I like it, Stephanie. And Ron, sometimes it's very hard and I think, oh boy, how do I do that? It's not easy sometimes. But I've got to get unbelief out of me. I have to believe in the promises of God. I don't want to miss out on the great spiritual blessings. God promised Israel their land, but their unbelief kept them from claiming it. I'm telling you, the church has been sidelined because of this. The church is on the sidelines, and people are wondering, where's the power of God? Where's God doing these great and mighty things? God hasn't stopped working. The church has stopped believing. God hasn't stopped working. The church has put something in the way, and they built the dam, and they say, we just don't want that. Very dangerous. When they did that in the Old Testament, you know what they did? They wandered for years. They wandered, kept them, unbelief kept them from claiming their promise for 40 years. The Bible says they could not enter in because of unbelief, Hebrews 3.19. Unbelief hinders the work of God. Jesus could do no miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. There's a great majority of the church that's having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They deny it. They stand on the traditions of men, and the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. Very dangerous place to be, because the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse number 8, Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God has not, God's not changed, Amen. One thing about God, he has not changed. Malachi says, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. I'm the same. Glory be to his holy name. So if the church can be stopped in the use of the power of attorney in the name of Jesus, it'll be robbed of supernatural power. If you don't believe that there's supernatural power in the name of Jesus, or that you have the authority or the power of attorney to use that name, you'll be robbed of supernatural power. The modern, the modern church, having lost the power in the name of Jesus, has been reduced to nothing like Samson after he lost his hair. You watch many churches and there's no power. 
You watch many churches and there's no manifestations of anything. Nothing happens. Why? Well, they're not believing for it. They've reduced it down. They've shaved off their hair and they said, just like Samson, I've blown it. It's gone. There is no power. So we must look to the scriptures for the truth. It teaches that faith and the name of Jesus are for us today. Faith in the name of Jesus is for the church today, and it has not been done away with. Amen? I'm telling you, if the early church had faith in the name of Jesus and were healed, then we can have faith in the name of Jesus and be healed. If they can preach the name of Jesus and get miracle signs and wonders, then we can do the same thing and preach and teach the name of Jesus and expect and receive exactly the same results. Hallelujah to his wonderful name. The church is a supernatural body clothed with supernatural power of the name of Jesus. We're a supernatural body clothed with supernatural power. We're covered in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is what separates us from all other religions. Why? Because all the other gods are dead, but there's one who's alive, and his name is Jesus. Why do you think that you can go to a high school or a middle school and talk about any gods you want, even in their textbooks, but you mention that name, and everything changes? You mention that name and talk about his name. Why? Because his, his is the name that's above every other name, and they know it. His name is the greatest name. His name is the only name. There's one God, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah to the name of Jesus. As we study his name, you're going to discover that miracles and wonders and signs are all done in Jesus' name. If miracles, signs, and wonders are not for us today, you hear me. I'm talking to you, church. If miracles, signs, and wonders are not for us today, and the name of Jesus is not for us today, then we're all in big trouble because salvation only comes through one name. Salvation can come through no other name other than the name of Jesus. So if the name of Jesus isn't for us today, then miracles, signs, and wonders aren't for us today, and then nobody can get saved because the name doesn't bear its power. The name doesn't have its authority. I'm telling you that's a dangerous, unscriptural teaching, and the church needs to repent of it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent, and I ask you to forgive us, God, for believing this lie, this unscriptural teaching, that the name of Jesus is not for us today. I repent of it, God, and I ask you to forgive me and forgive us and forgive the church, God. Forgive the state of Mississippi, God. Forgive the church as a whole, God. I stand in the gap and I cry out to you and I say, please forgive us, God. And have mercy on us. In Jesus' name. So we must come to the conclusion that this is an unscriptural, wrong teaching, and it must be sidelined. It's wrong because the Bible takes sides against it. It's unscriptural teaching that has taken sides against God. We must rebuke this teaching. We must rebuke this spirit of religion. We must rebuke this form of godliness that denies the power thereof. And we must believe what the Bible teaches. And we must believe what the Bible says, that there's power in the name of Jesus. So I, I, we just repented, and now we're going to rebuke this thing. Amen? Come on, I want you to agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this spirit of religion. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I bind you and muzzle you and gag you. And I command this foul lie, this unscriptural teaching, to stop right now in the name of Jesus. You loose this body, you loose this people, you loose the state of Mississippi, you loose the church around the world. We take authority over you, we cast you out, we say, be gone, in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. <laughs> Believing in his name as a sinner is how we get saved. Believing on his name as a believer will produce the same results today as in the book of Acts. I believe 
in his name, and his name redeems me and saves me. And then I believe on his name, and then there comes miracle signs and wonders. Amen? <laughs> you can preach it again on Sunday. Let it go. Today, we, today many preach and teach and have found faith for salvation, and they stop there. You believe in the name of Jesus and you get born again. You believe in the name of Jesus and you get saved. And it's very scriptural, but you don't stop there. That's the starting place. That's the beginning of the race. That's not, that's not where it, it's over and done. This is where it begins. If we would preach and teach the whole truth of the name of Jesus that's for us today. The name of Jesus not only forgives you of your sins... But it also, that same name heals you of all of your sicknesses and diseases. It opens the windows of heaven. It'll, that name allows you to go into heaven and receive all the promises and blessing of Almighty God. Hallelujah. That name does it. The name. Miracle, signs, and wonders in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus saves. The name of Jesus heals. The name of Jesus delivers. The name of Jesus is the greatest name in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. His name is above all principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and powers. It's so powerful that the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. This is how powerful it is. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. There's coming a day where you'll bow to that name. Hallelujah to his wonderful name. It's so powerful that your knee will bow, and the Bible says every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, as a church, we've got to be a believing church. We've got to be a church that stands on the name of Jesus. Turning your Bible to the book of Acts, we're going to start in the eighth chapter, and we're going to look at some of these teachings about the name of Jesus and how the name of Jesus is so powerful, how the name of Jesus is for the church today, and the results that the first church had using the name of Jesus, and you need to start believing for these same results in your life today, amen? Acts chapter 8, starting in verse number 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. This is powerful. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. It's amazing to me what he preached. He preached what? Christ. That's his name. He preached the name of Jesus to them. That tells me that somebody had to train Philip in the power of attorney of the name of Jesus. This tells me that Philip had to have been taught by somebody to go to Samaria and preach the name of Jesus. It was a scriptural teaching. They taught this. Somebody taught him. His mentors taught him. His fathers in the faith taught him. How else did he know how to do it? The Holy Spirit taught him. He experienced the power of the name of Jesus himself. So when he went to Samaria, he released what he knew worked. He released the name of Jesus. He preached Christ to them. His title, his name. Verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed to the things which Philip spake. What was he speaking? Christ, the name of Jesus. The Bible says, hearing and seeing the miracles he did for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. How? Because he preached the name of Jesus. And there was great joy in the city. Why was there great joy in the city? He preached the name of Jesus. And when he preached the name of Jesus, miracles, signs, wonders, all the sick people got healed, demons were cast out, and the whole city changed because of the name of Jesus. And this is how powerful. Look at verse number 12. And when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, that's the second thing he preached. I can't stop there, but there's a whole lot there about the kingdom of God. 
we're going to talk about. The kingdom of God. I've been sharing with you a lot of the kingdom of God on one side of it, Brother Joe. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, declaring the kingdom of God and believing for miracles, signs and wonders. That is one side of the coin that we've been teaching. There's another side of the kingdom of God that allows all those miracle signs and wonders to take place. You know what it is? Christian character. Christian character. See, the anointing of God can take you places that your character can't keep you. The anointing of God wants to come upon your life, but because you have bad character, you can't stay in that place for very long. If you get your character right, if we get our character right, and we get our character way, way up there, then when we step over into the kingdom, we can have both a good reputation and the power of God will flow freely and powerfully. God's looking for character. That's the second part of the kingdom. I can't teach that tonight. I'm going to have to save that for a different day. But he preached the kingdom of God, which the Bible says, and the name of Jesus Christ. He preached the name of Jesus. And they were baptized, both men and women. This is powerful. It seems to me that the early church devoted time to instruct people in the use of the name of Jesus. We see Philip here going to another place and preaching the name of Jesus. So tonight I'm teaching you the same thing. I'm telling you, you need to begin to release the name of Jesus and use the power of attorney of the name of Jesus. It's rightfully yours. It's rightfully for the church. And if you get your character right and you have good godly character, when you use that name and the power of that name, things will happen. Things will change. Now, I won't give a disclaimer here. And the disclaimer is a warning to us as believers. If you use the name of Jesus like a parakeet, but you don't understand about it and you're not rooted and grounded in it scripturally, you won't see much power. You won't. There has to be tremendous faith and belief in that name. There has to be that name that is so regarded high in your life. There has to be a name when that name comes. When, when Moses got into the place where God was, it was so holy he took the shoes off of his feet. This isn't a flippant name. This isn't just me talking to Stephanie. This isn't just me talking to Jeff. We're talking about the name of of God Almighty, the name of the greatest king ever, the name that will worship for all eternity. It's a big deal. And this name has to become elevated in your life. That when that name comes up, you should be just like they are in the military. When I was in the military, all of a sudden, the general or the admiral or someone of high uh Rank would walk in and they'd all shout, attention on deck. And everybody had to jump tall and stand at attention until he got to where he was going. He would stop and turn around and he would look at everybody. You know how long he got to stand there until he was ready to say, at ease. But you know what you had to do? You better get up on your feet. You better stand tall. You better give him the respect that's rightfully due because if you don't, someone's going to come get you. <laughs> Someone will call you out and say, who do you think you are? I remember when I got in trouble in the United States Navy and I mouthed off to those men who were of high rank. He looked at me and he goes, do you see these? You can't talk to me that way. And then me and my big mouth said, well, I just did. <laughs> Needless to say, it didn't end for me well. <laughs> because why? They had authority that I didn't have. This name bears the greatest authority ever, and it deserves our highest respect, our highest honor. That's how we got to get. They taught about the name of Jesus. They taught about the power in the name of Jesus. They taught that they had the legal right and the power of attorney to use that name. So Philip the evangelist goes to Samaria and he preaches the name of Jesus. He teaches the name of Jesus. And when he does, supernatural things happen. Hallelujah. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse number 12. Very powerful verse. You know it. John 1, 12. But as many as received him... 
To them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You have the power to become a son of God because you believe on his name. If you don't believe on his name, then you don't have the power or the right to become part of his family. It's believing on his name. Believe on his name. God gives you the right to become his son, the right to become his daughter. We are given these legal rights. He becomes my father. My children carry my name. You know what? They don't have a choice. They were born into my family. They bear my name, whether they like it or not. They are Lombardo. Whether they want to be or not, that's who they are. When my wife, Pamela, married me, she went from Pamela Williams, and her name changed, and she took on the power of attorney and the legal right to bear my name, and she became Pam Lombardo. Okay, this is when you bow your knee to Jesus Christ. And you give your heart and your life and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And you believe on that name. You enter into the family of Almighty God and now you bear his name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Church, if you can just grasp it, if you can really see it, when you pull out your wallet and you pull out your ID, it says family of God. I'm a it says Lombardo on there, but no, man, my daddy's Jesus. Amen? His name is Jesus. You can read about it in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family's named after the name of Jesus. We all bear that name. That inscription is now on you. Glory be to God. God made covenant with us. God made covenant with us just like my wife, when she entered covenant with me, bore my name. And we've been married now for almost 30 years. And when I bore, when I repented of my sins and came into the family of God, God made covenant with me and gave me his name. And I've been walking with him for almost 30 years too. Glory be to his holy name. Jesus is Lord. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Go to Philippians chapter 2. The Bible instructs us on how we're to think about this name. There's big instructions on how you to think about the name of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse number 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you. This is big. This is, this is scriptural teaching. Let this mind be in you. Another way to say it is have this, this attitude about the name of Jesus. Have this attitude. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You should think about Jesus just like this. You should get this in your thoughts. And when this comes up, you should think about how powerful his name is. And what he did, this is the way you should think about Jesus. This is the scriptural teaching. Think this way. Have this mind in you. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. This is how we should see Jesus. He denied his godly rights. He denied his deity. He denied every, every part of his Godhead so that he could humble himself and become a man. This is beyond anything that we could, we could even imagine. That God himself would take off of his deity and put on flesh and blood. So he could be like us and feel like us and talk like us and walk like us. He made himself of no reputation, verse 7 says, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, and being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Remember, we're talking about this is how you should think about the name of Jesus. It's this powerful. Therefore, God has highly exalted him in verse number nine. God, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. This is the name. It's a name above every name. It's the greatest name. You know why there's such a, a war against the name of Jesus? Because he really is God. He really has defeated everything and everybody, and he really is king. God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. God has what? Highly exalted him. This is how you get this name in your, in your thinking. He's highly exalted. That means he should receive my reverence. That means when you walk into this place, you shouldn't just walk in here haphazardly. You shouldn't run in here and just think it's nothing and plop yourself down in a chair and let the worship just go by you. Do you understand that this is the place, this, this building is not holy, these grounds are not holy, but when you walk in here, when we call upon his name, do you understand that he says when two or three gather together, he shows up? And if you choose to sit there and do nothing and not give him respect or worship or praise or glory or bow or sing or clap, you know, it's, it's an insult to him. You should take, you should walk in here. I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go back and say, I love the old days when they wore suits to church and they showed up in dresses and they showed up dressed to the hilt because they walked in with great respect and great dignity. And people preached and the word of God, they were decked out in their best Sunday clothes. Some people show up here and they look like a hot mess and they should be ashamed of themselves coming into the presence of God like that. Sit in a church seat and do nothing. Play on their phone during worship. Fall asleep and do nothing. Be distracted during worship and do nothing. Don't sing. Don't clap. Don't do nothing. Well, who do you think you are? We're worshiping the name. You should stand up and reverence the name. You should honor the name. You should sing and give reverence and glory to the name. You should get in the altar and bow down to the name. You want the thing to change? You want some? You want to see the manifestation of Jesus Give him glory. So much of the church, we honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. We give him lip service, but our heart is on somewhere else, sometime else. When's it going to get done? How long is he going to go? How much more do we got to sing? I got to move. I got to go. I got things I got to do. Well, bless God. Bless you. Go on. Move on with your good self. But we're going to gather together and bless that name. We're going to give reverence and honor and glory. This is how you should reverence the name. The church would do this. We would see it have major effect in our community. If the church would treat God this way, you'd see it affect those around us. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind be in you. Think like this. Have this attitude. The name of Jesus is above all names. The name of Jesus is the greatest name ever. Jesus is Lord. There's benefits to his name. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the healing of our bodies. And we have the gifts and anointings of the Holy Spirit that come to us because of his name. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, you can write it down. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, listen, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. There's power and healing in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter number 3, you can see that Peter shows up 
at the, at, the, at the time of prayer. And Peter went to that crippled man at that, at that gate in Acts chapter number 3. And the Bible says Peter looked upon the lame man and he said, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. Peter understood he bare and bore the name of Jesus. Peter understood he's my father. Peter understood that there's something about this name that means everything, that changes everything. And the name of Jesus in Peter's life was a huge, big deal. That's why you can flippantly go by somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And you think, well, I said it, nothing happened. Well, there's more to it than just you parakeeting that name and thinking something's going to happen. There has to be a deep-rooted seed of that name planted on the inside of you. You gotta plant that and have faith in that. And then when you release that name, there has to be the belief that something's gonna happen. Why? Because me, I highly esteem and reverence and glorify that name. That's how Peter had it. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he went up and, and stood and, and leaping, stood and walked and entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. How? In the name of Jesus. Peter was questioned in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 13 about how this dude was healed. The God of Abraham and Isaac and the God, of, the God of Jacob, the God of our forefathers has glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered and denied him in the presence of Pilate. And when he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One, the just one, and desired a murder to be granted to you, and you killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead, whom we are his witnesses. Peter had some boldness. Why? He believed in the name. He knew that what power was in that name. He was fully convinced and fully persuaded. I've got a name that you can't, you can't beat. I've got a name that's going to win every battle. Oh, you can come against me with all you've got, but I've got a name, man. Hallelujah. Verse 16, he says, and it's his name and through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. It's this name. It's the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 12, as they continue to question the disciples about this name, as they, as they continue to grill the disciples about the name of Jesus and how this miracle was done, you find out that they come and they say, their salvation and no other name but the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4. Starting in verse 5, and it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and many, as of were of the kindreds of the priests, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Verse 7, and when they had set them in their midst, they took the disciples, they put them in their midst, and they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? We want to know. He's already told them once. One time wasn't good enough. Look at verse number eight. It's so powerful because we read it and we just blow past it. I'm telling you, Peter had such a reverence for the name and honor for the name and he glorified the name and he understood the name of Jesus and everything that it was to him. Peter was overwhelmingly 100% head over heels in love with Jesus. This is why there was such power there, because there was great reverence. Verse 8 says, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> How did he get that? He loved the name of Jesus. He loved Jesus. He reverenced and honored the name of Jesus. That means he bowed down to him. He worshiped him. He honored him. He fell at his feet, glorified him. When Jesus showed up on the beach, and was cooking fish, having breakfast for the boys. They're fishing, and all of a sudden, one of them looks up and says, Peter, who? look at that. Someone's on the beach cooking fish. And one of them says, that's Jesus. And Peter was the first one. I'm gone. <laughs> Why? When you love somebody, man, you can't. I'm out of here. 
put on his cloak and jumped in the water, and man, I'm going to go. How do you feel about Jesus? How do you feel about that name? What do you think about when it's time to go to church, time to go to prayer? What do you do when you think about picking up your Bible in the morning? What do you do when you roll out of bed and what's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? What's the first thoughts of your day? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you love him as much as you love you, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, you rulers and you people and elders of Israel, verse 9, if we this day be examined of a good deed done to an impotent man, and by what means he is made whole, verse 10, be it known unto you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given by men whereby we must be saved. It's that name. I'm telling you, the church needs to, to grasp this teaching and get scripturally bound to it. And get this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Get this name inside of you and the reverence for this name. Let You should jump to attention. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, that salvation is in no other name. No other name. Look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 16. This name was so powerful that they couldn't even shut him up. They couldn't even make him stop. Acts chapter 4 and verse 16. What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a, not a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them which dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. <laughs> They said, man, there's been a real miracle here. We can't deny it. Everyone has seen it. What do we do? Verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. You see? There's a demonic force, a demonic presence, a demonic spirit from hell a spirit of religion, these were the religious Pharisees and Sadducees of the day, the church of the day, saying that name must be stopped. I'm telling you, they can't stop it. I'm telling you, don't let them stop it in your life. If, you show, if you're going to a church somewhere and they deny the power of the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, get out. If you're involved in a ministry that doesn't believe in this and doesn't believe in the power and the authority in the name of Jesus, you're in the wrong place. Shake the dust off of your shoes. Get out of that place and come to the mission church where we believe in the name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. <laughs> Glory be to God. They threatened them and they called them, verse number 18, and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. The religious people. Satan in the spirit of religion says, shut up, sit down, be quiet, don't do that. I remember when I first got born again, I was in a denominational church and I got saved and I was on fire. Now, I, you know, I don't know what, you, what happens when you first get saved, but, you know, when I first got saved, you remember when you first encountered all this and you really got born again? I'm telling you, I was lit up. I was a flame of fire. I was, on, I was crazy in love. I mean, I'd do anything, go anywhere, say anything, be involved in anything. It was Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I was on fire. I mean, I was going for it as fast as I could go. I ran for the world hard, so I ran for Jesus just as hard. I'd go anywhere and do anything for him. When I'm in the military at this time, and all my brothers that were in the military with me, they saw the great change inside of me. And God began to win those men to Christ. And I remember sitting in a church service one day. You know, it was, a, it was a prayer meeting or some kind of a meeting. I'm in this denominational church. And they said, we're going to start a, a, a visitation. 
And we're going to go door knocking, and we're going to wing people to Jesus. And I had a lady stood up, and she goes, well, you should, just, you should just take Andrew to go do that. It's obvious he loves Jesus, and you should just take him to go do that, and he's the only one that needs to go. And I thought, what is wrong with her? I thought, how could you say that? And then I got told this in the denominational church. You'll calm down. I've been, I haven't been calm for 25 years. Glory be to God. I ain't calmed down yet. <laughs> they said, you'll get over it. No, 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 no. I'm jumping back then. I'm still jumping today. They said, calm down. And I said, no way. They said, you'll wear out. And I said, no, I won't. In 30 years, I'm still ticking, baby. 30 years, I'm still chasing it. Amen? I'm just as excited today as I was the day he found me. Glory be to God. Why? It's that name. What about you? I'm not letting the spirit of religion come upon me and shut me up. I'm telling you, don't let it shut you up either. Release the power of the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Look at <clears throat> Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. So they threatened them. They said, don't speak or teach or talk or do anything in this name. And they threatened them. You know, in the seeker-friendly church, they run people off who believe like me. You know, in denominational churches, they don't like people like me. They run me off. I'm the one in the aisle that's clapping and dancing and shouting and praying in tongues and ministering and, and believing for God to do miracles, signs, and wonders, and they deem me the problem. you got to go. We're a Baptist church. We're a Methodist church. Who, then they think, who do you think you are coming in here acting like that? <laughs> I think Jesus is Lord. I think maybe you need a dose of what I got. <laughs> I, I think you're one of those Christians that have been in the way <laughs> way too long. Glory be to God. I remember being in the Methodist church. I'm holding my daughter. I'm in a Sunday service, and I'm in the balcony because she got a little antsy, and I'm in this, my brother's church. It's a Methodist church. I'm in the balcony. I don't think anybody can see me, and the worship of God was going on, and I was up there, and I'm telling you what, I didn't think anybody could see, and I'm dancing. I'm the only one up there. I'm waving. I'm shouting. I'm cutting a rug. I'm having a great time worshiping the Lord, and when the service was over, I come back down. I got my little, little girl. I walk down the aisle. I know nobody in this place. This man comes off the platform who's a worship leader. He walks over to me, and he gives me this big bear hug, and he hugs me. And, and I thought, well, nice to meet you. <laughs> he looked at me, and he goes, I watched you worship God today like I've never seen before. Nobody could see you but me. And it just cheered me on. And it just excited me. And I thought, if he can go for it, I can go for it. I said, hallelujah. Bless his holy name. I'm encouraging you, church, to go for it. Get a little indignant. Tell your neighbor, give me a little room. I might, I might shout a little. I might dance a little. I, I, I might get a little happy. I might do something that might embarrass you. So if you may not want to sit with me in this service, <laughs> I just might run. You can't do that. We're a traditional church. You might want to sit behind me or in front of me. Why? I'm going to shout. Verse 29. Now, and this is their prayer. They're told to shut up, sit down, be quiet. And this is what they prayed. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. We need this church. There needs to be a church on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I'm not saying we're the one and only, but I'm saying we're going to be one. Amen? We're going to be one of them. I'm not bold enough or stern enough to say that we're the only one, but I'm telling you the Mississippi Gulf Coast Needs a church to be bold enough to believe this and not be quiet and be bold enough to worship his name, to be bold enough to lose the name of Jesus, to be bold enough to say it, to be bold enough. Listen, I understand you don't have to clap and dance and shout and run. That's me. I understand that you can sit in your chair and you can reverently and do the same thing. I understand that. 
And I will not deny you sitting and worshiping God as long as you don't deny me clapping and running and shouting. I won't run you over if you don't run me over. Amen. <laughs> just, I'm telling you, just engage. Turn on. Worship. Pray. Sing. Clap. Shout. In your own way. Let Jesus know in your own special way. Jesus, I love you. I understand that not all of us are after, can act that way. But I'm telling you what. We can all reverence him. And love him. And be bold. Amen. Be bold. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Verse 30, by stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done in the name. Done in the name of the holy child Jesus. How are the miracle signs and wonders done? In the name. In the name. In the name of Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with all boldness. See, now we get excited about that last part. We want to come together in the place and we want the place to be shaken. And we want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we want to do all this with all this power. But they did something prior to that happening. There was a great reverence and a great honor and great respect and high honor and dignity and glory to the name. And when the name was mentioned, it, they reverenced it. They did. They had an awe for that name. That name meant something to them. That name was the greatest name ever. He was their Lord, their Savior. They loved him. They loved the name. They couldn't wait. When they said Jesus to everybody, just Jesus. It was that powerful. If we want to be assembled together, and if we want to see the place shaken, and we want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and we want to speak the word of God with all boldness, reverence that name. Worship that name. Make sure that that name is of high value and high honor. Make sure that name goes way up there. I'm 53 years old, <clears throat> and when I was a child, my dad would tell me, you're only as good as your word, son. You're only as good as my name. Don't muddy my name. As he poked me in my chest and said, don't mess up my name and my reputation. You bear my name. Church, we bear his name. We bear his name. There's great power. There's great authority in the name of Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think like this. Believe like this. We'll pick up the rest of this teaching next week. That's enough for right now. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to make a declaration, and then we're going to sing a song about the name of Jesus. We're going to sing. We're going to make a declaration. First thing I'd like for you to do is that if you have realized that the name of Jesus hasn't been in the right place in your life, that the name of Jesus deserves greater honor and reverence than you've been giving that name, then would you just take a moment and ask the Lord to forgive you and say, Jesus, I know you're the name above all names. You're the greatest name ever. And I've let that slip in my life. And I repent of that, God. And I choose to place your name on the highest pedestal. And I choose to bow my knee to your name and believe in your name, and reverence your name, and worship your name. I believe in you, Jesus. If that's you, just take a moment and ask the Lord to forgive you. Father, I ask for you to forgive us if we have taken your name down from its high place. 
tonight, Father, we choose to lift the name of Jesus to the highest place of honor. Come on, just say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Come on, say it again. Jesus is Lord. Say this with me. I declare that right now I believe in the name of Jesus. I place the name of Jesus at the highest level and declare your name is above all names. I worship and praise that name. I bless you and honor you, Jesus. Glory be to you. Let's sing to him and worship that name. Just bless his name tonight. The king is in the room. Come see the scars of love upon his hands. The king is in the room. We'll watch the darkness flee. King like this There's never been a love so 